Welcome to 1% of History. We're moving past the 1% of history we know and digging deeper into our history. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I can't wait to see where we'll go in history today. On a quick side note, though, before we get started, please make sure to leave reviews and share about this podcast. Every five-star review and share helps promote the podcast. All right, now back to it. Today, we are talking about one lady who did a lot for the American legal system, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also known as RBG. We're also going to discuss the Supreme Court so we know exactly what the justices' jobs are. This episode is particularly timely as the Supreme Court session just ended for the year. And there are a lot of controversial decisions. I'm not going to go into the decisions that they made, but we're going to maybe make some sense of why they made the ones they did. And this podcast episode was actually a suggestion that I got via DM, so please make sure to follow me on Instagram and and TikTok and make your own suggestions for future episodes. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, links are going to be in the notes section wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as another side note, before we jump into learning more about RBG, the podcast music was provided by the podcasthost.com and Alotu, the podcast maker. Find your own free mute podcast music over at the podcasthost.com slash free music. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1933. She was the second woman ever appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States, and this is what she's most known for. But let's go back to her early life. Her sister Marilyn actually died when RBG was a little more than a year old, and her life really didn't get easier. Her mom passed away from cancer just days before Ginsburg's high school graduation. She obviously did not attend it. However, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is high, was highly intelligent and she was able to attend Cornell University in New York. And in fact, during her first semester there, she met her future husband. She married him nine days after her college graduation. Now, her husband, Martin, was drafted into the U.S. Army, and this changed her life a little bit. First, they lived in Oklahoma, but then he was restationed to Massachusetts. This enabled her to attend Harvard Law School. Yep, one of the top schools in the country. At Harvard, she was the first woman ever to serve on the editorial staff of the Harvard Law Review. However, her husband got a job at a law firm in New York, so she transferred to Columbia Law School. Don't worry, it's still another top school. And she graduated top of her class in 1959. Now, you're probably thinking, she's got it made at this point. She's a smart lady. She's got a good education. She's doing great. However, she faced a lot of challenges when it came to finding a job in law. The reason why? was because she was a woman and a mother. She ended up teaching law at Rutgers. However, she was asked to take a lower paying salary. 
Why? She wasn't less of a lawyer than any of the other professors. It was simply because she was a woman who had a husband who had a high-paying job, and everyone knew that he had this high-paying job. She continued to face prejudice or discrimination because she was a woman. In fact, when she was pregnant with her second child, she wore oversized clothes and did not disclose that she was pregnant or tell people that she was pregnant because she was scared that she would lose her job. Now, in today's environment, women don't have to fear this as much, but during this time, there was no laws about it. In the 1970s, she started working on issues of gender equality. During this time period, she argued before the Supreme Court six times, and she won five of those cases. Now you're probably going, cool, she argued in front of the Supreme Court. Most lawyers never argue in front of the Supreme Court. Most lawyers never even have the opportunity to go before the justices of the court. Now, it was noticed that she was good at what she did. And in 1993, she was appointed to the Supreme Court. So those justices that she argued in front of were now her colleagues. And while she served on the Supreme Court, she continued to fight for equality and fairness. Her term ended with her death in the year 2020. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Supreme Court and see why she was so important. Now, the Supreme Court is the ultimate court. It is the federal court. It is the one that decides a lot of very important cases that change every American's lives. And it's the job of the justices to interpret and decide the law based on the Constitution of the United States. So this means that they don't get to just sit there and go, well, I think pizza should be free. They can't decide that because that's not in the Constitution of the United States. So it is their job to say who has the authority for the law that is being challenged. So they're not there really creating new laws. They're there to say, well, this is a federal decision or this really lies with the state or even the locality or your city or town. So how does one become a Supreme Court justice? Well, they're appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. When a justice is appointed, they become a justice for life. So they can do this until they pass away, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg did, or they can decide to retire. A Supreme Court justice can also be expelled, is the wording in the research that I found, which means that they did something wrong and it is deemed by the legislative branch, the House of Representatives and the Senate, that they should no longer be a part of the Supreme Court. So far, this has only happened to one justice. Um, one justice was also asked to step back um, or he would have been impeached. Now, you're probably going, okay, the Supreme Court, that's pretty cool. What, how many cases do they see? Like, there's so many questions here. Well, there is estimated that they are sent between eight to 9,000 
thousand cases a year. That's a lot of cases. However, they only hear arguments from somewhere between 80 to 150, and sometimes it's less than that. And the cases they select have to involve federal law. So in some way, shape, or form, somebody is questioning if the law is constitutional or not. Does the law follow the United States Constitution? And in order to hear the case, at least four of the justices have to agree to hear it. So it's not just one of them saying, we're hearing it. The majority have to want to hear it. During the arguments, each side or the lawyers who are arguing have 30 minutes to present their side. And it is their job to explain why the Constitution supports their side. Now, the other part that the Supreme Court does is judicial review. So this is when they check in on laws that either U.S. Congress, say the Senate and the House of Representatives, or state lawmakers have made and says if they are unconstitutional. So if a law that is being passed through Congress or the state legislature is unconstitutional, the Supreme Court justices will step in and block it. So we have to keep in mind that it is their job to interpret the Constitution. Our Constitution was written by over 400 years ago. The people who wrote it are no longer here to tell us what they meant. And so it's these justices' job to figure out if it lies within the Constitution or if the law needs to lie elsewhere with the states. Now, after learning more about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and what the Supreme Court's job actually is, it is without a doubt that she left a legacy. She set a precedence for fairness and for thinking about others. She stood up for human rights, rightfully so even after the stuff that she had been through in her own career. It obviously very much impacted her in her decision-making, but she was fair and she fought to make sure that everyone was treated with fairness and equality. Now, one thing that I was thinking about that I wanted to add to every podcast episode was book recommendations. I love reading and it's one of the best ways to learn more. So for kids, I highly recommend the Who is Ruth Bader Ginsburg book from the Who, What, When series. Um, I would also check out the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Becoming RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Journey to Justice. For adults, I suggest my own words, and this was written by RBG herself. You can't get much better than that. And as well as Notorious RBG, The Life and Times of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I actually read Notorious RBG for book club, and I will say it was one of my favorite books that we read last year. I will also be putting links in the notes section to these books so you can go check them out for yourself. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of 1% of History. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please email me at 1%history at gmail.com. 
that's the number one percent history at gmail.com to continue the conversation and this will of course be linked below too you can also follow me on tiktok and instagram at miss martin elementary thank you so much again and remember to share and give a five-star review i will talk to you guys soon on another episode of one percent of history